Welcome to Brighton Adventure Story Podcast. Chapter 10 The Club Annabelle, James said. What are you doing here? What am I doing here? She snorted with derision and held up the beer bottle. I'm here for a party at the club. I'm supposed to be here. You're supposed to be tucked up in bed. James couldn't get it straight. Annabelle was working for the cowboy. She was an enemy? But you're a drop lifter, he said, shaking his head in disbelief. Does Jenny know? Of course she doesn't, you idiot, Annabelle said. The drop lifters is a big secret. The club is a big secret. Nobody knows about them. Well, except for you. But you're going home, hopefully to hibernate for the next six months. What happened in there? In the club? The initiation and being an apprentice, what does it mean? He held his arm where the creature had scratched it. It felt swollen and sore. We've all been through it. It's just some old ritual. Well, that's what the long man said. The long man, James asked. Is that what the cowboy calls himself? She nodded and pulled up the sleeve of her hoodie. There was a set of four thin white lines just before her inner elbow. They were barely visible on her skin. The lines weren't parallel, more like two V-shapes next to each other. The pain, though. It's worse than having your belly button pierced, she said. Thankfully, she didn't offer James a view of that. It wasn't so bad, James said, still holding his arm. I'm surprised you didn't shout. Everyone else did when that scaly creature scratched them. I screamed so loud I thought that someone would call the police. Talking of the police, the droplifters steal packages, James said. That's against the law. What if the police caught you? What if they caught you out here now? She countered. They've been fining people for relaxing on the beach. You're out in the middle of town with no excuse. That's breaking the law. I'm exercising. It's allowed. James knew it sounded weak and wished he hadn't said it. Whatever, she said dismissively. I meant what I said about Jenny. She better not be involved in whatever you're up to. James kept quiet. Hold on, Annabel said looking up and down the street. She's not out here now, is she? She went home, James said. She didn't want to have anything to do with the droplifters. What were all those bags of flour on the table for? That's what he gets us to bring him, she said. He wants cement and sand mostly, but it's hard to come by. You can't nick it from the supermarket, so most of the apprentices steal flour, which can be mixed in with the cement. Do you really steal flour from the supermarket? James asked. Annabel sighed. I mostly use my savings to buy it, she said. Or I fill bags with sand from playgrounds or the golf course bunkers. But I don't want to go up there anymore. Not since I saw the long man up there, prowling around in the dark. I think he lives up there, and I wouldn't want to bump into him late at night, even though I'm an apprentice. What does the cowboy, I mean the long man, want the cement and flour and sand for? No idea, Annabel said. We take it to the club, and then the journeymen collect it and take it somewhere else. I don't know where. All I want is to be able to go somewhere, hang out, and relax with my friends. She held up the beer and the e-cigarette. And the long man makes it happen. No one else is looking out for the youth of Brighton. But he's evil, James said. He's starving the rats and... What? She stopped him. What have you been up to? And why were you trying to sneak into the club tonight? James knew he'd said too much. I'd better go home, he said, turning to leave. If my parents notice I'm gone, I might have to tell them about the club and... Annabel cut him off again. Oh no, she said, rounding on him. 
You can't go telling tales. You're an apprentice now. If you tell anyone about this, I'll say that you were one of the worst of us and mainly stole packages from the old people's houses because you said they were slow and scared of catching the virus. She had a point. Okay, he said, but there's no way I can guarantee Jenny won't find out. Now that she's not isolating, she'll notice. She knows about the club, at least she knows that it's where some droplifters went. And she knows when I'm lying. Annabel thought about it for a minute. Leave Jenny to me, she said. I'll speak to her and tell her enough to keep her quiet. Besides, you need to isolate for your own safety. The long man is no fool, and you don't want to cross him. And don't even think about contacting Jenny. No more stupid messages. You've got yourself into enough trouble. Go home and stay there. I'm going to go and enjoy myself. She took a long drag on the e-cigarette and puffed out a big white cloud of vapour. Then she pulled up her mask and turned back toward the club. You said the long man lives on the golf course, James said quickly. The one near the hill fort. Which hole did you see him near? Go home, she shouted, giving him a shove toward the lane. He stopped and opened his mouth to ask another question, but she was already walking away. James wasn't sure that Annabel would be able to keep Jenny quiet about something as big as being an actual droplifter. He knew how stubborn Jenny was, especially about doing the right thing. But that was Annabel's problem for the time being. The walk home seemed to take forever. After a few minutes, the adrenaline from the initiation ceremony and the confrontation with Annabel had worn off, and James was left with a pair of aching legs to carry him home. It was all the cross-country run's fault. He thought he would check in at the clock tower in Preston Park to see if Zen and Bobby had moved there. But when he reached Preston Park Avenue, it was all he could to drag himself up the hill. He didn't even bother looking at the clock tower between the trees. And all the while he thought about two things. The long man was foremost in his mind. Not least because he was out there somewhere, and James didn't want to run into him. His other driving thought was to go to visit the king under the fort. Surely it was no coincidence that the long man was staying at the golf course, which just happened to be right in front of the Iron Age hill fort. When he finally reached his front door, he was so tired he almost forgot to be quiet. He remembered the sticking bottom of the door just in time and eased it open as best he could without a sound. He slipped out of his trainers and crept upstairs to his room with his coat on. His bed was still undisturbed, so he lay down on top of the duvet, curled up against the rolled-up blanket underneath. He would have fallen asleep immediately, but he had the presence of mind to set an alarm for 6am. He wanted to be up early to visit the king under the fort. If he left it much later, there would be too many people around. An eye blink later, a noise beeped loudly in his ear. He groaned. He must have set the alarm wrong. He flapped at it with his closest hand feebly. There was a glow through his eyelids. He can't have turned his light off either. His attempts to stop the beeping failed, so he propped himself up on an elbow and opened his eyes. Light was streaming in from his window. His clock said 6.01. He groaned again, stopped the beeping and flopped back onto his pillow. He let his eyes close for an instant and then sat up with a start. He needed to get to the hill fort. He tried to roll over and couldn't. He was confused for a moment, then remembered more about the night before, including falling asleep in his coat and his bag. He sat up and took his bag and coat off and carried them, 
He didn't want to walk out of his bedroom wearing them. His mum might be up early, already back from a run, or doing yoga in the living room. His mum was actually having a cup of tea in the kitchen. He told her that he wanted to go for an early cycle for his exercise while the roads were nice and clear. She told him to be careful, as there were some crazy drivers around, and to be back in 30 minutes. He left her, walking as normally as possible, despite his aching legs. 30 minutes. That should be enough time to cycle up Ditchling Road and see the king under the fort. He'd cycled up there a few times already in his daily exercise. The golf course and the hill fort had become much busier than usual now that people were trying to stay close to their homes. But at 6.30 he hoped it would be quiet enough to see the old badger. He would really have liked to call Jenny and ask her to come. But with Annabelle being a droplifter, it meant it was almost impossible for him to contact Jenny without her sister finding out. So he would have to go it alone. His bike was kept in the little shed in their front garden. To his dismay, the front tyre was flat. He fished the track pump out of the shed and quickly pumped it up, hoping it was just a slow. But by the time he'd disconnected the pump, he could see the tyre already deflating. He kicked the wheel. This was all he needed. He went back inside and told his mum about the puncture and that he hadn't left yet. Then he took off the front wheel and set about fixing it. By the time he'd found the hole, got the repair kit from his dad's cycle bag and fixed it, it was getting close to seven o'clock and the sun was streaming over the rooftops. It was going to be a glorious day, which meant more people up on the hill. After putting the repair kit and the pump back, taking off his coat, saying bye to his mum, he finally set out up the hill to the fort. The roads were quiet. He didn't meet a car at all until he was on Ditchling Road. There was a queue of people already forming outside Raven's Bakery. The smell of fresh bread reminded James that he hadn't had breakfast yet. Ten minutes later, he had crossed the fairway of the fifth hole and was on the chalky path that ran around the Iron Age fort. Fort was a fairly strong word for what was now a grassy mound and ditch that circled for 600 metres around the top of the hill. He went straight for the trig point, a wide concrete post, a map marker that was also a secret entrance to the hall of the king under the fort. The last time he had visited the king, the trig point door was open. This time it was closed and looked quite normal. He couldn't remember how it opened, so leant his bike up against a thick gorse bush nearby and set about investigating the secret door. Before he reached it, No-Tail sprang from the gorse bush onto the path in front of him. The little squirrel danced from side to side in an agitated manner. Hi, No-Tail, James said. Maybe you want to speak to the king under the fort too. The squirrel shook her head vigorously. Well, I do. I don't suppose you can remember how to open this thing. He moved to go round the squirrel, but she danced in front of him, blocking the way. Come on, No-Tail, he said. I haven't got time for games. But the squirrel did not budge. In fact, she went quite still, just as she had done on the branch above the droplifter's hideout. And that, James thought, meant only one thing. <laughs>